Welcome to the Law Firm Growth Podcast, where we share the latest tips, tactics, and strategies for scaling your practice from the top experts in the world of growing law firms. Are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jan Roos, and I am here with the podcast. I want to share something that we're going through right now in the process of onboarding a new closer on the team. And it's something that you might have gone through at your law firm, or hopefully you will go through as you scale your law firm. But if you're a solo and you've never had anyone else close for your firm, you should really listen to this episode because I think it's an important concept that can affect how you think about intake, how you think about marketing, lead quality, a lot of really, really important stuff. So anyways, I'm going to start as I often do with a metaphor. So I'm not really a huge fan anymore, but I used to watch a lot of MMA. So I would pretty much watch every pay-per-view card that came out on UFC. I had a great group of friends in college. We'd do this every other weekend, order pizza, blah, blah, blah. It was a good time. Anyway, there's a thing that the announcers always say, especially when there's a big upset, like somebody who's an underdog ends up winning. They always say that styles make fights. And what that means is you can be good at your style of, of fighting. And again, we'll connect this to intake stuff in a little bit. But if your style is vulnerable to another style, you might end up losing. And we're thinking of talking about MMA right now, but this is something I think is really, really interesting. I'm not going to say that sales is an adversarial interaction, but there are styles that you have for communicating. There are styles that prospects have for being communicated with. And I think there's a ton of analogs here. So just kind of going through the MMA stuff, like there's, I mean, I only mentioned, you know, the kind of the big stars that had this crossover appeal. So if you want to take somebody like Conor McGregor, he was really, really long for his weight division, a super tall guy, long arms, he hit super hard. So he was pretty much impossible to beat on the feet. But because Styles makes fights, he ended up getting taken out by a wrestler who was not a better striker than McGregor, but he could hang enough, he could take a hit, and that allowed him to play his style, which was wrestling. And there's, you know, some photos of him getting choking Connor out and juicing him like an orange. If you want to look those up on the internet, there are a lot of cool memes about it. Anyway, and then, you know, if you take somebody like Ronda Rousey, a couple of years back, if you remember, I think she was in movies and stuff, but she was the opposite. So she had legendary grappling. Her mother was an Olympic judo medalist, I think. But she ended up getting taken out in a massive upset, 12 to 1 odds by Holly Holm, who was like, relatively speaking, didn't have a super impressive career after that, but she was a kickboxer, professional kickboxer. So her style countered Rousey's style. So most dominant champions in the sport of MMA are people who are high level at a lot of things. My personal favorite MMA fighter, and this is a guy from years back and not a lot of people know, this is like a lot of crossover people, George St. Pierre. He had great striking, he had great wrestling, he had great submissions, and that was why he was able to be a champion for a super long time. And he was able to win. The champions that have really, really long reigns have an answer for every single type of person that they find themselves against the ring. Now, let's take it back to the consultation room. So, mention I'm hiring a new closer. So, in support of this, I ended up putting myself back into our sales round robin calendar just to have some closes recorded for training purposes. And I haven't closed a deal for Case Fuel in about, well, I haven't been on the calendar in about a year and a half. So it's, it's kind of bringing back some memories and, you know, looking at some things I used to think about every single day when I was the only closer in the business, but I haven't thought about it in like a year and a half. So I'm noticing as I hopped into these, and it's been about, you know, months since I've been doing this, I have a style that's very, very different from either our new closer or, you know, our other closer that's been on the team for a long time. And those closers have a style which is different from the other as well. So 
For example, I had a call yesterday and it was with a really, really sophisticated seven figure practice owner. So we got super technical. I barely used the deck. I know I talk about this all the time on the podcast, but I went completely opposite of what I usually do in terms of being the person who's controlling the questions asking. I let him actually ask a bunch of questions. So it was kind of like one of those learn the rules to so you can break them. But you know, I was, you know, this is a style that I've been really used to, but it ended up being a one call close. So that was a very specific style. I was on another call this week with a practice that was very, very new. So they'd gone full time like a month ago. And I'm going to make a damaging admission here. But when it got to the time we were talking about the pricing, I pretty much froze. So these guys were so new that they hadn't even thought about budget. And I wasn't ready to have a conversation about how a firm should think about these things. And basically, I forgot what to do. So you know, that was that was an L that was no deal, right? Now, the funny thing is that if you looked at the close rate for our my senior program manager, Ramon, the results would be reversed. So he does super well with newer law firms because he knows how to handle those conversations. He's in those all the time. But his track record with the more sophisticated firms is, is not as strong as mine. So we're not really looking at good closers or bad closers. We're really looking at different styles here. So my natural style is more of an educational sale, and his is more of a motivational sale. And you know, before you ask, this carries over to law 100%. I'm not going to say who, but it's a friend of the pod, one of the best closers I've ever met in legal. And his goat his the one that has he has a hard time with is he can't stand closing engineers. And I, I would guess that this is a bad style matchup for him. And I would say, you know, engineers just knowing my, my father's family is all engineers. So generally, there's a certain type of person, <laughs> if you guys know many engineers, but probably super analytical, which is might not match up with how this attorney communicates. But Anyway, so that's pretty much it. I want you guys to think about styles. And I have a couple of corollaries to this concept that I think are really interesting to explore. So first, your natural style might color your perception of lead quality and prospects. I've mentioned this before in the podcast. It's, it's what we open with in the book because I think it's super important. But we've got the intrinsic lead quality. Can anyone close this deal? Is there an actual legal need that people are willing to pay for versus the expressed value? What actually ended up resulting in your conversation with this person? But if you have a style that doesn't work with a certain type of prospect, it's not likely that you're going to collect a lot of cash from that type of person. So uh, in the terms of uh, the language I like to use, your expressed value will be low. And you might start thinking that your intrinsic value is low. So you know, my friend I mentioned earlier might think that engineers are bad prospects. My program director, Ramon, might think that seven-figure practice owners are bad prospects. They're not, they don't get the result that they expect with that. But the truth is, both of those prospects have money. Somebody is closing those times of prospects. So the issue might not be the prospects. It's whether you have a way to speak to them. Second point, your market is made up of different types of buyers that respond to different types of styles. So I want you to just visualize for a moment like your market as a giant pool and each are like, you know, a giant pie chart. <laughs> right? And each section of the pie chart represents different buying styles. So and again, there's a million different ways to do this. It's, it's probably, you know, this is already kind of going to a long podcast, but the different types of how you could categorize different people and different types of buyers. But for the sake of the argument, let's just make a couple easy buckets. So let's say you've got your super high due diligence fact finder, left brain type people, you've got your right brain, you know, vibes type people, you've got your technical buyers, you've got your bargain hunters, all these different things, all of that makes up 100% of your market. Each one of these makes up a percentage of them. So what I want you to think is, what if your close rate is the sum of 
the different pieces of the pie that you are comfortable with speaking to and you have skill at closing. So for example, that friend I mentioned, consistently hitting an 80% close rate minimum, right? Which if you want to use this metaphor, it means that his style or his ability to adapt to a different style that other people have is good for 80% of the people in this market. And if you really wanted to work on getting those engineer types, maybe his close rate goes up to 90%, maybe goes up to 85, depends on how big the slice of the pie is. But that's basically what you can get. And I think it's a really, really interesting concept to think about your close rate is a function of how you can speak to these different types of people which exist in your market. So the last point, you have a natural style, but you can learn others to capture more of the market. So I'll use myself in this example here, right? So I took 18 months off, 18 months. <laughs> but I was able to pop right in and have super high level technical conversations and do like that educational, hey, let me tell you what's working in the business kind of situation without any prep. That's my natural style. But by the numbers, that's a pretty small part of the market. You know, for any market, obviously legal is the most important thing we're talking about this podcast. There are fewer people who have resources at the top of the pyramid. There are more people who don't have resources at the bottom of the pyramid. So if I'm a law firm looking to grow, my options would be to hire people with a style that works with those different kinds of prospects. Or if I'm a solo, I would want to learn how to get across to those prospects so they close. The biggest part of this, honestly, is, um, and to, to bring this metaphor full circle, right? You need to be willing to step into the octagon. <laughs> so I know, for example, that that last one I was talking about that I ended up losing was because I wasn't ready to have a conversation with somebody who didn't have a budget plan. So the next time I see one of these prospects and I have a, a demo booked with them, I'm going to bring up the budget question earlier. And if that ends up doing the trick and I close that person, I've just unlocked a big part of the market. And that's closing, my close rate potentially goes up. And what's interesting is that when you take this view, I'm excited for the next kind of prospect I have that I know is brand new. But that's kind of a tough thing to do because the, the temptation, what your ego is going to tell you after you walk out of the consultation room is that prospect was garbage. I don't want to talk to any people like that again. But if you take that, you're never going to learn how to close that type of person. The other lie that your ego will probably tell you is that that person can't be closed, period. But again, that's a lie. There's people who end up hiring that kind of person. That person will most likely hire somebody at some point for your service. I know there's people that hire that kind of person with agency stuff. I know there's people who hire that kind of person for legal services for my friend. But when you get to the point where you're consistently bad, like the people the people who are consistently batting in those really, really high ranges, like I'm going to say, you know, these are your 70, 80% plus closers. They know this, they know the different types of people and they know how to adapt. But you don't become one of those people until you develop process for a wide group of your market. And that's pretty much it. So it's like, you know, if you have the situation where your close rate isn't where you want it to be on cold traffic, maybe it's 20, 30%. I want you to think, what style are you using right now? What problems are you having with other different people? So I hope that's giving you some food for thought. So I want you guys to think of in this next week, think about your style and who you do well with. Think about who you don't do well with. And next time you have one of those consultations, ask yourself, what can I do differently the next time I see this type of person? And as long as you're implementing this and you're keeping your awareness and you're telling your ego to shut up, <laughs> you keep this mentality. It's only a matter of time before you're closing those people as well. And that is the goal to get to a person who can close 80%. And that means 80% of your market is someone you communicate with. So that's all for this week. I'll see you guys next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Eastern on the Law Firm Growth Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. For show notes, free resources, and more, head on over to casefuel.com slash podcast.
Looking forward to catching up on the next episode.